Welcome, friends. This is the Generations Radio Broadcast. Kevin Swanson, your host with you. I'm a homeschool father of five. Bill Jack from Worldview Academy, also here today. And we're going to talk about entertainment culture today on this edition of the program, especially as we see a massive increase in entertainment dollars just since 1970. Remember at the fall of Rome, what did you see but... People crying out for for bread and games at the end while the hordes rushed in and destroyed the city. But it was bread and games, bread and games. It was the government supplying all of the socialist care to provide for the bread. And it was the games that kept people interested while they had lost the will to continue on their civilization. Well, that's where we are today at this juncture in the decline of the entire Western world, Sony Interactive Entertainment CEO Jim Ryan, he has confirmed that the first 12 hours of pre-orders for PlayStation 5 has matched the sales for the first 12 weeks of its predecessor, PlayStation 4. That is, they sold more PS5s in 12 hours than they sold of PS4s in the first 12 weeks. I bet Joe Biden bought one because he's down in his basement with nothing to do. Yeah, that's what he's doing right now. That's the problem, I mm-hmm. think, isn't it? That's part of what is driving this is the isolation mm-hmm. that people are facing during that, this. That's, I think, what's going on, yeah. especially since COVID-19. That's an increase of interest in computer games. Uh, so many young people went off the cliff and fell into massive game addiction during the COVID-19 Closed down. And the gaming market has gone from $70 billion to $180 billion in the last nine years, roughly increased from $0 billion in 1970. It wasn't much but Pong. In 1975. Do you remember Pong in 1975? You did? Uh Got addicted to it pretty good. I remember, yeah, I remember my brother bought a Pong game. That was kind of a big deal for us. You had to move the little tennis thing up and down. Remember that? That's that's right. That was back in the 1970s. And friends, the gaming market's gone from from 0 billion to 180 billion since 1970. The gambling industry also has seen a massive increase since the 1970s from roughly uh, 2 or 3 billion in the 1970s to 120 billion in uh, 2020 and some $500 billion worldwide. So gambling industry has increased big time in just the last 50 years. The porn industry has gone from couple of $300 million to $15 billion since 1970. Uh, and, and you compare that to some of the other standbys, uh, television advertising, television production is typically run between 20 and 60 billion. Hollywood movies have stayed around 20 billion through the years. Popular music has gone from 14 billion down to about 7 billion since 1980. The worldwide entertainment industry has gone from about $14 billion to $830 billion since 1970. Now, why is that? What are the increases? Obviously, not so much television. Obviously, not so much popular music. Obviously, not so much uh, some of these other things, uh, Hollywood movies, etc. This is not what has contributed to the increase. Uh, that has remained about the same. Hollywood movies, about the same, down around $10, $20 billion. Popular music, down around 7 to $14 billion. But the, the mass of the $830 billion of entertainment dollars has come 
from the increase in gambling, games, and pornography. Friends, that's it. That's where the increases have been since the 1970s. Now, why is that? I want you to answer the question for just a second. Why have we seen such a massive increase in gambling, computer games, and porn? Well, of course, it's because these are addictive. It's for for the same reason why despair deaths are way up. The illicit drug market is about $120 billion. But compare that to, you know, some $120 billion for the gambling industry and another $180 billion for the gaming industry. And uh, there's somewhat of a comparison. But uh, these are the major forms of entertainment in the modern day. And they are the major forms of entertainment. And we have seen massive increases in gambling games and porn because because they are addictive they are addictive my friends and there's not much difference between sony and the cartels when it comes to these addictive forms so we're going to talk a little bit more about computer games and what makes them addictive and shall we be encouraging our children to heroin use shall we be encouraging our children to gaming and gambling That's the question. Should your son be on gaming or should he be on heroin? Which would be better for him? Or maybe even porn? We'll be back with more in just a moment on the Generations Broadcast. Ever since the creation of the Garden of Eden, Satan has been working his hardest to erase the knowledge of God and seduce the creatures made in God's image to think that they are the center of the universe. One look at today's society and you see his progress. Humanistic thought has inundated our culture and we can trace its roots directly back to the classroom and the textbooks we're setting in front of our kids. That's why every Christian homeschool parent should have a curriculum that's not only rock-solid academically, but most importantly will point students back to their Creator as the source of all wisdom and knowledge, and to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. If you've been struggling to find such a curriculum, look no further. Here at Generations, we've spent over 15 years developing our Christian discipleship curriculum to help Christian homeschool parents like you pass on the faith to your children by teaching a God-centered view of life and integrating the Bible into every lesson. Our goal is to not only help you meet your students' academic needs, but also to assist you in discipling your children for generations to come. So get started today with our Christian Discipleship Curriculum and watch your children marvel, learn, and mature as they embark on a God-focused learning adventure to discover more about the world around them and the one who made it all. You can learn more about our curriculum resources and pick up our newly released 5th grade curriculum pack today at generations.org slash curriculum. That's generations.org slash curriculum. And we're back on the Generations Broadcast. Kevin Swanson with you, Bill Jack, also with me and friends today. 
The worldwide entertainment industry has gone from some $40 billion to $830 billion since 1970, which means that almost the entire world is interested in entertaining themselves to death. And so much of the entertainment is counterproductive. That is, they are sources of entertainment in which addiction is very, very probable. Now, the worldview issues, of course, are still there. That is, man is escaping reality, doesn't want to face reality, doesn't really want to face the sinful condition, the evil in the world, and therefore would always want to create for himself something of a surrogate reality in which he doesn't have to deal with the real reality. Now, of course, the gospel cuts through all of that, and the gospel presents to us a Savior who came. And who died on the cross for our sins in order to redeem us from sin and the devil and to reconcile all things to himself and rose from the dead on the third day and we will resurrect ourselves. And this, my friends, adds an element to our reality that produces hope and that hope continues to enable us to be steadfast, immovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord. Now, without hope, man cannot be motivated to do anything. And it turns out that modern man has enough money to almost pave the way to escape reality at every moment of the day. So, again, this escape from reality is a very, very real aspect. It is a worldview aspect of the present day. On top of that, I would say there are so many who can't think of a purpose or a reason to serve others or to serve Jesus, to evangelize their neighborhoods, to serve the 100,000 orphanages in the world. After all, there's a lot to be done. There are lots of opportunities to serve, and yet uh, so many cannot think of a reason to do so. Then there is the bondage to lusts, the bondage to idols, the bondage to self-serving, and the bondage to addictions. And once again, the gospel cuts through this, and the gospel presents Jesus, who came to set the captives free, to set us free from the bondage of heroin, to set us free from the bondage of addiction to alcohol, to games, to gambling, and to all these other things. So, but ultimately, man is called to repent and to turn to Jesus and to seek salvation from these horrible idols and these addictions that hold them in bondage. That, my friends, is the message of the gospel of Christ. And I hope that comes home to many who are found under the bondage of drugs, gambling, games, and all the other distractions that are available to them in the postmodern age. Friends, why are computer games so addictive? That's the question I want to deal with for just a moment. There, there are reasons why the games are addictive. Now, I'm going to say from the outset, they're designed that way. The unusual thing about our present day is that we live in a day in which technology has identified ways in which addictions may be fostered and the market share increases for big businesses like Sony are very much aided by this technology. In other words, Sony and the other game manufacturers aren't just drug pushers, but they actually manufacture designer drugs that are most likely to create addictions and increase market share. So that's what's unusual about this kind of drug. It is a designer drug that has been put together by technologists who know what they're doing. They're playing with human psychology and they know 
how to maximize the addictive capacity of the game in order to what? Aggrandize the bottom line for Sony and the other manufacturers. What's interesting about that is I just heard uh, about uh, millennials. They know they're being manipulated, but they don't care that they're being manipulated. So that's the other side of the coin on this. And that is they are willingly you know, being part of the addiction. They are signing up to be addicted. And it's it's through the technology that we have when when you're searching something on your cell phone or on your laptop and then suddenly what happens? Ads for that particular item continue to pop up long after you've left the search. And and so that's part of the zeitgeist, as you put it, of the culture. And so it would not surprise us, should not surprise us, that those who are gamers uh, willingly enter into the addiction. It's not like they've been seduced. They willingly enter into it. And so, therefore, there's, they're much more susceptible. I think they're coming to the point at which they admit to their desire to escape reality. That Indeed, they live in an age where they do not want to face reality. They do not want to live in this reality, and they will do everything they possibly can to escape the reality of God and to escape the reality of the gospel and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the requirement that we repent of our sins and trust in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. I think that's what's happening to a post-Christian age. And that's why we are seeing an increase in these addictive games from roughly zero to $500 to $800 billion in just the last 30 to 40 years. Why are computer games so addictive? Well, there is a semblance of accomplishment. Uh, The fuel that compels computer game perseverance and can also motivate academic or other skill learning is the brain chemical dopamine. Dopamine is a neurotransmitter that when released in higher than usual amounts goes beyond the synapse and flows to other regions of the brain, producing a powerful pleasure response. This is a deep satisfaction, such as quenching a long thirst. This increased release of dopamine is the brain's reward response to achievement of a challenge. Okay, so the dopamine is released as a reward For the achievement of a challenge, it is an intrinsic reinforcement. After making a prediction, a choice or action, receiving feedback that it was correct, the reward from the release of dopamine prompts the brain uh, and uh, so forth and so on. So that, my friends, is the brain psychology behind the computer game. But beyond that, the most addictive video games have no predefined ends. The most addictive video games have no ultimate goal or point at which a player can say, I'm finished, I've completed every quest. Also, video games are more addictive when in-game rewards are based on a leveling system. When starting a new video game, a player's character begins with very basic attributes with regard to experience, strength, intelligence, courage, powers, etc. Initially, it takes very little play, perhaps minutes to reach the next level and gain new skills. This is immediately rewarding and reinforces continued play and so forth and so on. So again, you guys got to understand that this stuff is carefully manipulated and designed in order to maximize the possible addiction of each of the players so that the bottom line for Sony and the other drug pushers will be benefited. The more addictive video games often encourage play and collaboration with gamers worldwide. 
This is true of online multiplayer video games in general. The fact that two users on opposite sides of the world can interact and join together in a common quest adds to the excitement exploratory nature of modern games. Addictive video games often have some form of in-game currency. The same goals and emotions which drive people to pursue wealth in the real world are also present in video games. One important factor that makes video games addictive is that rewards often are set on variable schedules. It has been consistently demonstrated in psychological research that variable ratio or variable interval schedules reinforced after an average time period has elapsed produced a steady rate of responding and which is far more difficult to extinguish. It is in a, in a, in an addictive video game, a player may be rewarded on average for every five tasks completed. Sometimes it will take only one try, while other times it may take 15. The player never really knows how long it will take before the big reward comes. So all of this is carefully programmed into the games. Addictive video games may allow the player to immerse him or herself in a fully realized virtual world. You can create your own character with attributes you wish you had in real life. You form relationships, develop a career, accomplish things that would be impossible in the real world. Video games may offer an escape from the reality of the physical world and into a digital universe where players can assume any identity they desire. Video games can also generate strong emotions in players uh, because the world and the online experience is mostly user-generated. Gamers can experience wars, betrayal, friendship, romance, marriages, funerals, etc. So these, just a couple of the examples given from a site online concerning the addictive nature of video games and how the designers can work these into the game and once these players have made it down into the rabbit hole, what happens? Once they make it down into that rabbit hole, it's going to be hard to get out of it. Yeah. I mean, and as you said, it, it's all designed for that purpose, and it is an escape of reality. We don't like the world in which we live. We don't like the the conflict. We don't like the anxiety. We don't like the insecurity. And so what we do is... We create our own fantasy. So let's apply this to the average homeschooling family or the average Christian family attending the average church. We've got to be discerning these things. We have to be discerning. Let's say the church kids are playing the games, watching the Harry Potter movies, the R-rated horror movies, playing fantasy games involving witchcraft, and the kids in the youth group are sharing the stuff with each other. Okay, this is not an unusual scenario. Now, here's a couple of points. First and foremost, families are responsible for making choices relating to entertainment in their respective homes. We call this the family jurisdiction. But I think we also need to remember that there are points at which the unhealthy leaven can spread throughout the church, at which point the church pastors, the elders, have a responsibility to teach to these things. We've had to do this recently in our church where the pastors came together. We spent about two and a half hours in a conversation with the uh, congregants and just sharing our own experiences and some of the means by which we attempt to discern what is good and what is not good, what is healthy, what is not healthy for our families. We applied this to the genre of horror, the genre of fantasy, etc. And it was a good conversation that we had uh, about two or three hours worth uh, within the last week or so. So again, families have jurisdictions, but as families consider this stuff, how do they evaluate the media? Uh, let me suggest this. There should be something of an immediate evaluation as well as 
a more systematized evaluation. I, I would recommend that parents consider both, that there can be something of an immediate evaluation. If you don't have time to pour over 500 hours, like you, you have to climb into the rabbit hole, experience the whole thing yourself. And by the time you've experienced it, you've wasted, you know, 500 hours of your life. You have not redeemed the time by doing that. You, you could spend hundreds of hours poring over thousands of pages of intricately constructed stories in the minds of people who did not know the God of the Bible. You could study the philosophies of Nietzsche. And uh, I think you almost have to be on a drug to do it, but uh, you, you would spend hundreds of hours trying to chase the meandering thoughts of this man's crazy mind. Uh, you could study the philosophies, the Gitas produced by the Hindus and so forth and so on. But um, at the time commitment involved is mammoth, then you might ask yourself if this is the vision for your family and for the time that God has given you on earth. But there's also what I would call a spiritual discernment. I was reading from C.S. Lewis, and he said he was tempted into the occult. And But the thing that kept him out of the occult was he did not bother jumping into it and evaluating all of it because he was much more attracted to it, to do that. But what he said was, he took one look at it and discovered that there was no joy in it. So, in other words, he was able to take one look at it and say, I just couldn't see any joy in it. That is a really interesting analysis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's a simple analysis. It is. And, the, and mm-hmm. when you apply it to video games, especially yeah. those that are violent and, mm-hmm. and warlike, mm-hmm. there is no joy in that. And you just take a look at the people who've been to 300 Sciences, uh, people have crawled down the rabbit hole, and they've participated in some weird fantasy game for the last seven years of their life. And you answer the question, is this guy the most joyful guy on earth no, or not? No. And First John chapter 2 actually has a very helpful verse. Is the Holy Spirit is within you, so you don't need anybody to teach you about these false doctrines. So it's, you know, in other words, you've got the Holy Spirit in you. You should be able to make something of an assessment of these things uh, without you an extensive list, You should be listening to the Holy review. Spirit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so can. a couple other things. Watch the effects on others. Has it been spiritually beneficial to others? Are they more engaged in family worship? Are they more engaged in church worship? Are they more involved in evangelism? Are they more connected to the kingdom of God? Do they have a kingdom vision that just won't go away? Or does it appear that they're still, un, you know, seven stories underground hanging out with uh, some enchanted wizard? And it appears that they are just about as spiritually anemic as anybody you've ever seen in your whole <laughs> life. Are, are, are they joyful? Are they singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in their heart to God? You know, these sorts of questions. Just take one look. And say, okay, what are the effects of this on others? A couple other things. Use church history as your guide. There's nothing new under the sun. Ask those who are involved, you know, who are your counselors? Who led you into the rabbit hole? Um, beware of the tendency to get involved, uh, to evaluate. Then you discover that uh, you're not qualified to evaluate. Also be aware that this vile world is not a friend to grace to help you on the God. The great irony is that the pretend world is often filled with ogres, orcs, and devils. But you know what, Bill? The real world is filled with ogres, orcs, and devils <laughs> lurking in the media, the stories, the movies, and the internet. So that's the great irony of it all. So just be aware of that as well. And uh, and be humble. Be humble, friends. Um, 
Remember the weapons of our warfare, not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, but being ready to punish all disobedience when your disobedience is fulfilled. That is, there are some who just aren't mature enough to engage these things. And I think we have to be humble and consider our are we really at the point at which we have been well instructed in a biblical worldview in that we can carefully analyze every aspect of the Bhagavad Gita or uh, the teachings of Nietzsche or uh, this game considering witchcraft or that game considering witchcraft? Perhaps we're not the right ones to engage these sorts of things. Well, you can also make particular judgments concerning media, books, and games, and so forth. And I would encourage you to equip yourself on these things as well. Equip yourself that you would be able to cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself above the knowledge of God in Christ. And in a more in a more positive way, what does the Word of God say in Ephesians chapter 5? Ephesians 5 is really the key passage that governs the Christian life uh, for all of us. This is the day-to-day warp and woof of the Christian life. Basically, what Ephesians 5 says is discern the darkness, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them, reprove them, be aggressive, take down those imaginations, don't just accept everything that comes down the pike walk circumspectly be wise be wise with your time redeem the time for the days are evil and don't get all excited and thrilled and enthralled over wine and dissipation escape literature fantasy movies rather get excited by the holy spirit be filled with the spirit and then and then sing Exhort one another with songs, hymns, and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your heart to God. A a huge test is whether or not we can respond to what we are involved with in singing in praise, in joy, and in thanksgiving to God. That's a huge test. Can you stand up in the middle of whatever you're reading, whatever you're watching, and say, praise be to God from whom all blessings flow. Can can you do that? Can you say, is that your response? If it's not, you're probably in the wrong spot. As Paul admonished us, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. That's right. Well, we're clean out of time. And friends, I would encourage you to our little book, The Tattoo Jesus, what the real Jesus would do with pop culture, especially as we analyze some of these games, some of this fantasy, these this escape forms, which are so common. Remember, we've seen an increase in interest in all of this by orders of magnitude since the 1970s. We're looking at an $800 billion industry that's grown out of, well five or six billion dollars at least if you're talking about gambling gaming and pornography these are traps please be aware there is a role for warning in the christian church let's be sure as pastors and as fathers and mothers we're warning our young people concerning these things and uh, let's be sure that we are equipping one another to take down the imaginations and the high things that exalt themselves above the knowledge of God in Christ. And that's why the book, The Tattoo Jesus, What the Real Jesus Would Do with Pop Culture, that book available at generations.org. This is Kevin Swanson inviting you back again next time as we continue to lay down a vision for the next generation.